Welcome to Salty Therapy. My name is Tammy. I am a licensed clinical social worker with a private practice. However, this podcast is not intended to be used in place of professional treatment. It is intended for encouragement, information, and entertainment. Well, we are back with our second part of Battle for Our Minds. Today, we're going to continue to talk about this area. We're going to talk about comparison. We're going to talk about trauma, insecurities, and last but not least, spiritual implications. So let's get started. So we started this series by asking what keeps us up at night. And there were many things that we talked about, and we're starting to break them down. And today we're going to talk about comparing our lives to others. And the thing is, is what are we comparing to? Um, we can't help but put things into kind of a perspective with what we've just recently gone through and are still going through with the pandemic. But most importantly, during the time when we really were housebound um, and we were very isolated and we didn't have the distractions that we had prior to the pandemic. We didn't have our jobs that we were going to and and our social outlets and, uh, you know, just being able to get out of the house and interact with the, the distractions of the world. And so it was really bringing um, a time of um, uh, a void, if you will, that people were filling with social media and videos online and binge watching TV programs and, and, you know, um, just filling our brains with everything we could keep the voices quiet, right? Um, and what ended up happening was we started comparing our lives to other people's lives as they were being portrayed. And um, this can be a very dangerous thing because to be honest, in most cases, it's inaccurate. Who determines our lives? Who determines what is good or bad or what is happy or sad or successful or not? Who gets, who gets to hold that bar? And on what basis are you comparing yourself to? On what basis are you making the determination that your life isn't where it should be, or you're not where you should be, or you uh, have so much farther to go? Let's start with the lives that you are comparing to. Do you really know the details of that life? that you're comparing yourself to? Do you know that person's lies or truths? Do you know what's tormenting them in the middle of the night? Do you really know their relationships? Do you only know what they let you see? I look at some of the things on social media and I'll see a picture of a husband and wife. And in my mind, I know that their marriage is unhealthy that their marriage is, is really close to crumbling, but they're taking a picture as if they are on their second honeymoon. And it makes me sad. It makes me sad that they're portraying this one image when the truth behind it is the farthest from that picture. And really, what does that do is it keeps them from being ministered to. It's keeping them from being befriended and helped in a way that they need because nobody really knows what's going on behind closed doors. 
you know, a lot of that has to do with ego. And ego can be such a, a dangerous uh, thing that we we don't want to include that or involve that um, in, in our day-to-day lives. We want to keep check on that. Um, the other question I would ask is, if you're putting your energy into examining what others seem to have, where is the energy that you need to really focus on what God has given you? and or whether your life is aligned with what God has for you. See, that's another question. Maybe maybe you're feeling this uh, feeling of unsettledness, right? Um, because you're not, you feel like you're not where you're supposed to be. Well, is that Holy Spirit speaking to you? telling you that you're not aligned with what God has for you, right? I think that's a really important question to ask. Um, and then focusing on what God has given you. When we're so busy comparing ourselves to others, whether it's people in our lives or people on TV or people on our computer, gosh, Where's where's the time for us to express gratitude for what we have? We have so many little things. Like I've I've had COVID, but I I didn't end up in the hospital. Um, I have a small group of friends, but they're good quality friendships. I have a job, and it changed a little bit and it shifted a little bit, but I still have a job. I have a husband, I have children, I have grandchildren, I have a family that loves me. So these are things that I can choose to focus on. Are they all perfect? Am I perfect? Is everything the way I would want it? No. Some of those things are going to be acceptance. Some of those things are going to be choices. If I'm not happy with my weight, then I can choose to make a different choice. I can choose to eat less or exercise more or to eat whole foods versus processed foods. So everybody has these choices that they can make. And one of the choices, as I want to remind you, is going to be acceptance because there are some things that come into our lives that we are not in control of, that we cannot change, and they're hard. They're really hard. And sometimes we just have to accept that that is part of our experience on this earth. And we can still look for moments of gratitude, even in those, in, even in those situations. Now let's move on to trauma. We can agree, I would hope, that trauma, whatever the trauma is, it just sucks. It, it's just, it's no fun. It's no good. Um, but what we have to remember is that we didn't ask for it, nor did we want it in our lives. It's not like we went out looking for it. There are going to be people out there in their ignorance who say, well, you're the one that decided to go in the army. So, you know, you went looking for it. No, 
he decided to put on a uniform and serve his country as part of the United States Army. He didn't go looking for trauma. She went out on a date with a man expecting to have a good time, make a new friend. She wasn't looking for trauma. There, there are traumas that come into our life that people are going to make ignorant remarks and say, we put ourselves in the position to receive that. And that's a big fat no. We didn't ask for it, nor did we want it in our lives. But fighting that trauma, and I want you to understand fighting, fighting that trauma only reinforces the negativity that it can bring into our lives. What do I mean by that? Fighting it is like we're going head to head, head to head, knocking our head against a brick wall. Rather than accepting that this occurred, because there are many people who've had traumatic events who want to ignore it. They want to self-medicate it away. They want to justify it. Um, and the, the real truth is, is seeing it for what it is and accepting that this is something that happened in my life. Now, what am I going to do with it? What am I going to do? I'm not going to ignore it. I'm not going to justify it. I'm not going to blame everybody in the world for it, but I am going to accept this is part of my life story and what has happened to me. Now, what am I going to do with it? Choosing to accept that it has occurred and see it for what it is can be a way of integrating it into our lives in a much more powerful and useful way. Remember, I talked earlier about ministering to other people uh, through uh, from our sins, our past sins. We can absolutely minister to other people uh, from our from our traumas. I mean. How powerful is it to be able to say to somebody, I know, and knowing that you really know. I I have a friend who recently lost her child. And, you know, they always say that a parent should never have to bury their child. And she did. And it was a traumatic loss. It was the whole the whole event was traumatic. I will say, fortunately, I have never lost a child. I am incredibly sad for my friend. I grieve with her, but I can never, ever now at this point in my life say, I know, because I don't know. I have no idea what that feels like. No idea. But as a part of our friend group, there is another woman. There's three of us in this friend group. And the other woman has also buried a child. And isn't it interesting that God put us all together and that friend is able to minister to her in a way I could never. She's able to sit with her and go, I know, and not say another word. And they are in a place of complete agreement in their minds of of what's happening and what she's going through. And I can't do that. However, as a woman who has survived being raped, I can sit with another woman who's had a similar experience and say, I know. And and just be okay with knowing and letting that person know they're not alone. 
So ministering to others from a place of trauma is extremely powerful, and it can eventually take you to a place of gratitude. Not that you would ever ask that that event would happen again, not that you would ever ask to go through that if you had a chance to do a do-over, but that it absolutely is um, an opportunity to say, I'm so grateful that I can minister to others. I'm so grateful that I know how to pray for that person. I'm so grateful that I can recognize pain in another person that I wouldn't have recognized before, and I can be a better friend. I can be a better parent. I can be a better spouse. Um, So childhood trauma, part of what developed you into the person you are today The way you can have compassion or see things that others cannot see can come from childhood trauma. And I would ask that, can you take your childhood point of view and shift it to an adult point of view and then, in a sense, not only begin to shift um, your understanding of that trauma, but also shift how you choose to see how you will allow it to affect your today in your relationship with self and others. So if you had um, a childhood that involved an alcoholic parent, and there was a there was a lot of verbal abuse in the home. As a child, that is extremely traumatic. It's frightening. It's um, it it affects your sense of safety and security. It affects perhaps your sense of self-worth or self-esteem because some of that verbal abuse could have been pointed at you. Um, even hearing it being spoken over your your parent and, and you relate to that parent, you then take it on and own it as yourself. Can we take that as an adult and begin to shift it? And can we, um, for example, shift the point of view that that adult parent who was alcoholic and abusive, can we look at it as an adult and go, man, they were a wounded person. And I can see now looking at my genealogy, looking at my grandparents, that 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 parent didn't have the best example set for them. That parent wasn't parented well. That parent was surrounded by verbal abuse or alcoholism, um, and they didn't know how to do it different. And that doesn't excuse their behaviors. It doesn't mean it was okay for them to be abusive when you were a child. But if it can change your perspective and it can change the way you see that person, then it can begin to change the way you see the events that happened. And there's a softening that can occur, a softening within your spirit, softening the edges of what happened, and you can begin to make peace with some of those things. And And if you can begin to make peace with some of those things, then it can affect your relationships with yourself and forgiving yourself and loving yourself. And it can also um, affect your relationship with others. You're not going to walk around in fear or you're not going to walk around in anger. You're going to begin to start looking at people as human beings um, and managing your expectations. So adult trauma. Can you make a different choice today? Can you step out of the fear for a second to explore the idea that your life could be different? So I said I was raped. 
I was 18 years old when that happened. I can choose to stay stuck in that moment in time for the rest of my life. But man, what do I lose when I do that? So I choose to make a different choice. I choose to say that's something that happened. It's not happening. It's a part of my tapestry. It doesn't define me. I am not a victim. I am a survivor. I choose to um, take precautions as a result of what I learned in that trauma. So I make sure that I am safe. I make sure that the people that are closest to me understand uh, what I need, uh, what I'm feeling. If it comes up, if it's something that is uh, triggered inside of me. Um, and I also choose to, to use that event in my life, like I've mentioned before, to minister to other people. I use it in my work. I use it in my spiritual walk. I use it with my friendships. Um, also remember, there's help out there. You don't have to live with that all by yourself. There are support systems. There are support groups. There are therapists. There are um, groups within churches. Um, there's many tra traumatic events that happen in one's life. Sometimes we, we make choices that result in trauma. If you've had an abortion, that was a choice that you made. And many will say it is your choice to make. And so that's fine. The choice has been made. But man, there's a traumatic event that happens as a result of that choice for many men and women. And I said men and women because the men are affected by the woman's choice oftentimes as much as the woman can be affected. Is it scary to address our trauma? Is it scary to actually look at it in the face and have a conversation about it and to challenge ourselves to take a different perspective and, and to do the work that we need to do so that it no longer runs our life? You better, you bet it's scary. Believe that, but it's worth it. It's worth stepping out. Sometimes we get comfortable with our trauma because it defines us and it justifies our choices that appear to keep us safe. So in other words, there may be a woman who had an abusive father and a sequence of abusive relationships with men and therefore takes on the definition that men are not safe, that men cannot love her well, that men cannot be trusted. And so we justify then our behavior in treating men poorly by not engaging with them, by not trusting any men, um, and that could be brothers and fathers and friends or lack of friends. Um, it could be pastors or teachers or police officers. It could be any male. And that's an all, that's generalizing. Um, it's an all or nothing way of thinking. All men are dangerous. All men are untrustworthy. All men are abusive. Um, and that's, that's simply just not true. It simply isn't true, um, but it feels like 
those choices and justifications keep us safe. But the thing is, is it really, it, it cuts out a whole, a whole part of the population for that woman, right? Um, so we have to be careful about getting comfortable with our trauma. Now I want to talk about insecurities. What insecurities do you have? But more importantly, where are they rooted? Are you, again, comparing yourself to others? But I would ask you, who created you? Who created you? And in whose image were you created? God doesn't make mistakes. Did he not create you with exactly the personality, strengths, and even the weaknesses that he wanted you to have so that he would be glorified through you? People say, well, what's my purpose? As far as I understand, our purpose is to glorify the one that created us, that we are to mirror him. God says he is sufficient for us. So if you see inadequacies or weaknesses in you, that's okay. Because he says that in our weaknesses, he is strong. But we have to let God be God in our lives. He created us and he knit us together in our mother's wounds, in our, in our mother's womb. Those wounds that have happened in our lives, they didn't happen without his knowledge and providence. He says that he will use that to bring glory to him and to point others to Christ. He says that all things will be worked together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. I have seen him work that out in my life. I have been able to have gratitude for the things that have happened in my life that if I had it to do over again, I wouldn't, except to say, I am who I am today because of them. I do what I do today because of them. And I couldn't do that if I didn't make the choices to have acceptance and to work through some of the pain, a lot of the pain that I have as a result of the things that I've gone through. God will use you, all of you, to see his will be done. And ultimately, ultimately, God's will is love. He wants to love. He wants us to love in his name. He is love. God is good. He just wants a relationship with you. And so he is going to work things together to bring us back into alignment with him, to bring us back into relationship with him, and to also to bring us into relationships with others. You are not a surprise to God, and everything you are and everything you have gone through is for a purpose, and it is intentional and will be used for God for something amazing. Do not doubt his creativity in you. Do not doubt that he stood in that fire with you when man meant harm towards you. Do not doubt that he can shut that lion's mouth that intended to devour you. You are exactly the way he created you to be. You are not too much. You are not, not enough. You are his perfect creation. And yes, you are different than all these other people around you. You're supposed to be different. You are not supposed to be the same. 
He is a creator. He is an artist. Everything is a unique piece of art. You are unique. You were uniquely made by the creator. And last but not least, spiritual implications. This is, this is our mindset now. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. That fear that you struggle with, that fear that keeps you up at night, that fear that, that propels you to make decisions that you make, that fear is not from your creator. It is not from God. We have an enemy and the enemy thrives off of fear and he instills that fear in there. So when you're sensing that fear, you need to take a step back and go, God gave me power, love, and a sound mind. Where is that? And what do I need to do to attain that? It says that we have an enemy that prowls like a lion at night watching us and studying us in order to learn where our soft underbelly is at. Our enemy is a tormentor. He wants to torment you. He wants you to question every decision you make, to question every um, poor choice you've made, uh, every relationship you've had. But here is the fact that if we are co-heirs with Christ, in other words, if we've accepted Christ as our Savior, when we do that, we become co-heirs with Christ. The enemy has no authority over us to torment us. Doesn't mean he won't try. Oh, he'll try. I promise you, the closer you are to God, the more you follow him, the more the enemy is going to come after you. But we have the authority given to us by God to rebuke the enemy in the name of Jesus Christ and to claim the victory that has already been given to us at the cross and the resurrection. That's, that's the bottom line with the spiritual implications of the battle of our mind is God in Ephesians 6 speaks about putting on the armor of God. And we have power and authority that has been given to us. And it comes in most cases in the form of our choices. But we need to align ourselves with the one that created us. And I know, I know that I'm speaking a lot about um, God and, and Jesus Christ. And there are many of you that are saying, if he's such a good God, why did he allow this to happen to me? Well, the truth is, is we live in a fallen world and we have an enemy that wants to torment, that he wants to kill, steal, and destroy. He wants to rob you of any joy. He does not want you to be aligned with God. He does not want you to be in relationship with Jesus Christ. He does not want you to have eternal salvation in heaven. He wants you for himself, and he wants to devour you. That's the truth, and I can't help but speak the truth. And I will speak the truth when it comes to these podcasts. And I, and I just can't make an apology for that. 
Well, I hope that you've enjoyed or have learned something from this topic that we've talked about in the last two weeks. Uh, The battle for our mind, it's an ongoing battle. It's not something that you're going to listen to this podcast, practice a couple of the things that I've talked about, and poof, it's all going to be better. If I had a magic wand, I'd be a very rich woman, but I don't have a magic wand. Um, and so these are things that we have to continue to investigate and, and meditate on and journal about and go to the word of God and pray about and practice. We have to practice making different choices. We have to choose to change our perceptions. We have to choose to practice gratitude. So I just pray for um, all of you out there that are struggling with with the torment, that that are struggling with anxiety or depression or any of those things that are that are keeping you restless and keeping you in this position of a void. Um, that you will um, take some of my words. That seeds will be planted. That you will um, just really begin to. Um, uh, Think about the fact that you can make different choices today. I thank you so much for joining me. Um, I pray blessings over you, and I will see you next time.